17 years ago, at the end of August, Hurricane Katrina bore down on the city of New Orleans, wreaking havoc. Please operate on I need someone out here, ma'am. I'm going to die in this panic. The hurricane caused billions of dollars in damage to the city, and the human toll was higher. We opened the attic, we punched a hole in the attic, but the helicopter keeps passing us. The helicopters there pass over us, but they won't stop. Well over a thousand people died. Many, many more were displaced, fanned out across the country, far from the homes they knew, trying to start over. Imagine if you've been forced or put into position to deal with it on your own as a child. That's filmmaker Edward Buckles Jr. He was 13 years old when Katrina came. Imagine experiencing something like that and no one ever comes to X. Are you okay? Do you need anything? Are you having nightmares? What happens when it's storming outside? In his new documentary, Katrina Babies, Buckles asked questions like these to other kids who escaped Katrina's waters, like his best friend, Maisha. The guy next door, he had a boat. I don't know where this boat came from, but he had a boat and he was like, I'm bringing y'all, I'm bringing y'all to the bridge. While telling her story, she started to cry. Then Buckles asked her, Wait, so like, um, have you ever like talked about this before? No, I haven't. Why are you dead? Oh, no, no, I not really, they not really ask me. Consider this. It's been nearly 20 years since Hurricane Katrina devastated New Orleans. The city has been reconstructed, but neighborhoods were destroyed, communities broken up, and the lasting effects of the trauma from the hurricane and its aftermath linger in the people who were most severely impacted. It's a sign of what could be to come as increasing and overlapping climate disasters are upending people's lives. From NPR, I'm Juana Summers. It's Wednesday, August 31st. It's Consider This from NPR. For Edward Buckles Jr., filming Katrina Babies was a difficult and emotional process. See, Buckles left New Orleans, but his cousin Tina and her family stayed. Tina and her kids, my my cousins, were one were some of the last interviews that I did for this process. And like I think that it, it was intentional. You know, I, I I wasn't ready to face that. Tina's house used to be the gathering spot for Buckles and his cousins. It was a place full of warmth and the smell of rice and gravy. Buckles remembered watching the news, worrying that Tina and her family would be killed. Their neighborhood was devastated by the storm, but they survived. Tina's house stood. Even so, Buckles told me it took years to feel ready to talk with them about the day they set off on two different paths. And filming this documentary helped them reconnect. I've been speaking to my cousins way more now. And, you know, we've been gathering and planning family trips. And we've been in a group chat and just really rebuilding what we lost from Hurricane Katrina. Um, so you know, while- They lost homes, family connections, a sense of security. Buckles told me for one of his cousins, his name is Quentin, he lost trust in the government. He lost trust in our government. He lost belief that, that like, his life mattered. 
in that moment at 11 years old. And when he said that, I learned so much about my cousin and like so much about, you know, just how Katrina impacted what he was putting out outwardly into the world. So yes, at age 11 years old, he decided I would never fight for this country. And that speaks volumes. Because like that doesn't just mean that he doesn't want to join the army or something. Like That means that he doesn't have trust in his country. It sounds like, you know, this country, in his mind, wasn't there for him yeah. in one of the most traumatic, difficult moments of his life. Yeah. I mean, you know, we have to say that that line that, you know, uh, I would never fight for this country was followed by him saying, we wasn't in here for a day. We was locked in our attics for three days. And that line was followed by his mom saying, when everybody else in the world thought that, you know, New Orleans was good, we were still in our attics. So what does that do to trust? Like, you know, what does that do to one's belief in their lives mattering. And just to be honest, I don't think that he's the only person that feels that way. They may not articulate it the, the uh, exact same way, but a lot of us are dealing with trust issues when it comes to America. So much of what you explore in this film, it's unpacking trauma, the trauma that you experienced, that Quentin experienced. And it's not mm -hmm. just the trauma of Katrina itself. It's the mm -hmm. physical destruction. It's the di displacement that comes. It's the violence. Even this many years, 17 years removed, yeah. how how does anybody even begin to heal from trauma that is so compounded, so ingrained? Yeah, yeah. And I didn't go into this film trying to find healing, honestly, because I didn't know that it was possible, right? You know, I didn't know that simply having conversations and starting to tell our stories would be healing. Um, so... It wasn't until Maisha said... And tell us real quick who Maisha is. Maisha is, is like one of my best friends. And she is a subject in the film. And she is the first person that, 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 that breaks down in this film and says, no one ever asked me about my story. And I realized that we weren't just dealing with people telling their stories. We were dealing with people healing. And this film is not going to heal everybody. This film has not healed me, but it has opened up a door for me to figure out, okay, what does that journey to healing looks like? Because as you said, we are not just healing from Hurricane Katrina, but we are healing from everything else that we have experienced before the storm and, and after the storm. And I just want us to know that, you know, we can start that journey. You know, as a journalist, I have covered the aftermaths of a lot of tragedies and violence across this country. And it seems like there is this pattern every time where something horrible happens in a community and then all of these resources pour in. And when there are kids involved, there are often support systems, counselors, therapists who are brought in to make sure that the kids who are living through whatever the thing is, that they have the ability and the space and the help to process. But when I hear you talk and in, in your film, people like Maisha, that infrastructure didn't exist for Katrina babies. It was not afforded to you. Why do you think that is? Yeah, it's a question that I have been asking myself during this whole process. I don't know the answer to that, but I am only left to assume, and God, I hope that I'm wrong. But it is the lack of empathy, it is the uh, lack of care, and it is the lack of respect for Black people in this country. You know, specifically speaking from experience, Black children in this country. I propose this idea in the film of the double-edged sword of, like, resilience, right? What that sword looks like is 
you know, yes, we are resilient. Yes, we take pride in our strength. But on the other side of that is us being viewed as we don't need the same help that other people need because of the fact that we are so strong and we we are so resilient. And I think that people were like, look at them. They're good. You know, they're quote unquote bouncing back. Look at them second lining in the streets. New Orleans is rebuilt. New Orleans is New Orleans is coming back. They don't need anything. Look at that. And I think because of that way of thinking, we always miss out on our opportunity for wellness and healing and like our opportunity for proper help and like assistance once we experience something traumatic. You know, watching this film, your deep love for New Orleans pours out of every single minute of it. But you've also said that your anxiety is at its peak when you were at home and you talk about that fear of being safe. How do you reconcile those two things? It's hard. You know, I was speaking to Sierra, who's also a, a, a subject in the film and like also like one of my really, really good friends. And, you know, we were having this conversation. Um, Sierra is someone who doesn't want to leave New Orleans. She loves New Orleans to her heart, but she deals with, you know, anxiety about certain things as well. She has faced some very traumatic, you know, experiences, um, you know, as well, like in the city. And Ariana, who I went viral for sitting outside of that 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 uh, convention center waiting for help. That was those very that very eloquent what yes. nine year old with that viral footage that none of us who are alive then can ever forget. Yes, like you know we just need some help out here, right? And Ariana is somebody who left the city because you know she couldn't deal with all of the violence and all of the unjust ways of you know the uh, city. Now what I found and what 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 uh, Sierra helped me to realize is. The person who wants to stay in New Orleans and help all of the problems and like feels guilty for leaving and the person who leaves New Orleans because of all, all of the violence and like they can't just and like they just can't stand to be in the city. They're both trauma responses. And some of us choose to stay and some of us like choose to leave. And you can't mark any of them as wrong or like, you know, you can't say that either is 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 weaker or stronger. Right. And, you know, I you know, I just think that. The problem is we shouldn't be left to dealing with this on our own. You know, I shouldn't be left to dealing with the problems of New Orleans and like, you know, now anxiety is surfacing. Now everything that should have been addressed is now surfacing in our adult lives. And the problem is we are faced to deal with it on on our own. You know, we are faced to, to quote unquote, save our city or leave our city. You and others in the film make the point that while buildings remain, your house stood, the New Orleans that you knew was destroyed and Mm -hmm. it's not coming back. What do you want people to know about that New Orleans, the New Orleans that you grew up in before Katrina came to town? Yeah, you know, at the end of the film, I say that New Orleans is not rebuilt. And like some people would look at that and be like, what What do you mean? Like business is thriving, like y'all are doing great down there. And what I mean is that the New Orleans that we knew, the real New Orleans, the New Orleans that was filled with families, the New Orleans where all you really saw was black people and, you know, we were in our neighborhoods and we owned our neighborhoods and we took pride in our neighborhoods. And, you know, I just want people to know that when, 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 when like they're coming, 
you know, to, 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 to our New Orleans. And when they are, you know, experiencing like all of this great culture and like all of this great magic and beauty, that it comes from us. And it comes from all of the people who were here before the storm. Some of us who are still there after the storm, right? That's, that's what I want people to know is that, you know, everything that you love about New Orleans comes from us. Edward Buckles Jr., director of Katrina Babies. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Katrina Babies is out now on HBO. It's Consider This from NPR. I'm Juana Summers.